Welcome to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. Today is Saturday, December 9th, day 64 of the war with Hamas. Amanda Borshal-Dan here with our military correspondent, Emmanuel Fabian. Manny, thanks for joining me today on this Hanukkah day. Hi, Amanda. We'll talk about a failed hostage rescue attempt Thursday night and discuss what is happening on the ground now in Gaza, as well as the state of the northern border, including drone strikes in Syria. We'll also talk about striking images of Gazan men stripped to their underwear. And finally, we'll discuss Manny's trip into the Gaza Strip to Salatin. All this when we're back. The Technion Israel Institute of Technology is where some of Israel's brightest minds ask the biggest question of all. What if? What if they could take on the world's biggest challenges? What if they could develop life-changing environmental, scientific, health, medical, and technological discoveries that will make a huge impact on Israel and the planet? But they don't just ask the question, they answer it too. They turn those ideas into reality they make them happen. To see just some of the incredible things they've achieved, get the Technion Booklet of Wonders at ats.org wonders. We hope it inspires you to give them your support so they can keep doing what they do best. The American Technion Society. World-changing discoveries by Israel's brightest minds made possible by you. The Air Force, Navy, and ground troops continue to operate in all parts of Gaza. As of this morning, 91 soldiers have fallen in the ground operation. Manny, let's start by discussing this failed hostage rescue attempt between Thursday and Friday, in which two soldiers were seriously wounded, but several of the hostage takers were killed, we're hearing. No hostages were freed, however. So what are you able to tell us about this? Uh, this operation uh, was carried out overnight, Thursday uh, to Friday, uh, sometime in the early morning uh, or uh, later in the evening on Thursday night. We don't know exactly uh, at what time, but what happened was um, Israel had intelligence uh, of where hostages were being held. Um, Israel knows, uh, obviously, of some uh, of the hostages of their locations, not all of them. Uh, And thanks to the um, ground offensive being carried out in Gaza, uh, Israel is able to carry out such operations. This is the second known attempt by the IDF to uh, release hostages. We saw on October 30th the release of uh, Ori Megidish by the IDF that was during uh, already during the ground offensive. So uh, this operation, however, was uh, not successful. Uh, The army said that... um, no hostages were actually uh, freed or rescued uh, in this operation, um, but that um, the Israeli soldiers that entered this uh, site where uh, the hostages were believed to have been held, uh, they ended up killing a number of Hamas members uh, who the army said were involved in um, abducting the hostages on October 7th uh, and as well as holding them uh, until this uh, until now. Uh, two uh, soldiers were seriously wounded in this gun battle uh, with the Hamas operatives. Um, they are in stable condition as far as I understand. 
And that is really as much as we can say uh, for now regarding this operation. In the ensuing days, I don't know if it's connected or not, we're hearing increased reports of those we thought who were hostages who were killed at some point during their captivity in Gaza. Is this at all related to this operation, do you think? Right now, we're talking about 18 hostages that the army has confirmed and they are dead. The way they're confirming this is uh, not only um, with sort of footage showing um, their killing or them being dead, but also findings that are found on the ground in Gaza um, by the Israeli soldiers, and then they are taken to be identified. Um, and we're talking about 18 um, who are still being held hostage, hostage in Gaza, um, not the bodies that they've recovered yet. Um, this morning we saw um, the uh, the army or Kibbutz Beri uh, confirm based on information that was given to them by the army that uh, Sahar Baruch, a 25-year-old uh, Israeli civilian who was taken hostage on uh, October 7th, um, was in fact killed in Gaza. Uh, and this comes shortly after... Um, uh, Hamas itself released a uh, video showing uh, this hostage killed. Um, the army has warned that Hamas will uh, attempt to sort of publish uh, or continue to publish information or videos or claims about the hostages in order to um, what they call uh, uh, carry out psychological terror against the Israeli public. Uh, and we need to be very careful with with what exactly we're repeating and if, amplifying Hamas's claims. Um, uh, so I would I would I don't want to uh, say that these events are connected um, um, because we haven't seen confirmation of that by uh, by Israel yet. As you said, the army is operating in all parts of Gaza, and we're seeing in the past day or so many reports that schools are very popular posts for Hamas operatives. You reported today that a paratroopers brigade found a sniper rifle and ammunition hidden inside a large teddy bear while they were searching a school yesterday. It seems almost too Hollywood perfect, I would say, but there's actually film of this discovery, right? Yeah, this is really uh, quite fascinating. Um, the Israeli soldiers are searching the school and uh, literally in this very large teddy bear, they rip it open uh, and there's a sniper rifle in there, there's ammunition inside. Um, and this is not, not even the first discovery inside a school. Um, the, the army said that even in another nearby school, um, they also found uh, additional weapons uh, inside one of the classrooms. Uh, there was a video that the army published yesterday uh, showing troops of the elite Lotar unit um, uh, battling Hamas terrorists inside uh, inside a school, inside the classrooms. Um, the, the the video, I'll, I'll describe it, shows a tank firing at uh, the Hamas operatives inside the school and then uh, the soldiers' um, very close uh, quarters combat uh, opening fire at them. And then once they had killed these, these Hamas gunmen, uh, they continued to search the school and found uh, a tunnel shaft in one of the classrooms. Uh, and this tunnel shaft led to a nearby mosque, uh, also in, in this area of uh, Shujaia in Gaza City. Um, there was another video the army published um, this morning um, showing Hamas members opening fire from from a school at Israeli forces. Um, there's a very clear video showing gunfire coming out of this uh, UN uh, school. Um, and really, this, this seems to be a very uh, noticeable pattern of Hamas 
when the army is operating in Gaza is is Hamas um, is operating from deep within civilian sites, from you know from homes, uh, from hospitals, and uh, from schools as well. Um, and it's uh, obviously something that that the army is trying to show to the world that uh, to show how Hamas is is really um, utilizing the civilian infrastructure uh, for its operations. Uh, in sort of a bid to explain why many of these civilian sites are being targeted by the army. Those pictures are very clear and chilling, of course, but there are some pictures that were released a few days ago that are a bit confusing, uh, at least to me, and it's pictures of Gazan men stripped to their underwear and they're what, surrendering? They're being, what? what is happening in these pictures? So those images that circulated on social media uh, last week um, showed dozens of, of uh, Palestinian men uh, rounded up by the army in uh, the Jabalia area. This isn't uh, something particularly new. We've seen or we've heard at least of reports of, of Palestinians surrendering to the Israeli army, but these were quite striking images showing quite a large number of, uh, a large number of Palestinian men. We don't know yet if uh, we're talking about Hamas members or if there's Hamas members uh, among them. Um, the army has at least hinted the army spokesperson, uh, Daniel Hagari, uh, sort of confirms uh, the images. And he said that uh, when they operate in an area in Jabalia and Shojaya, for example, they battle the Hamas operatives. uh, And once they're finished sort of the fighting, uh, many of these people who are still in the area surrender themselves to the Israeli army. Uh, Among them definitely could be civilians uh, who were just happened to have been stuck there and and you know weren't able to get out in time and then they surrendered to the army but i've heard of uh, in other areas too uh, in the khan yunus area to be specific on friday around 10 uh, hamas fighters uh, not civilians um basically just surrendered to the uh, to the soldiers during the fighting uh, and gave up so the army is is taking them to israel to be interrogated by the shin bet uh, by the military inter- uh, intelligence uh, directorates uh, unit 504 which also carries out these investigations and whoever is actually linked to Hamas whoever is a Hamas fighter they'll keep them arrested and the others they they will um, presumably release uh, release back or um, or something else so that is that is what's happening during the fighting and the army is seeing this more and more there's sort of a trend of more Hamas fighters uh, surrendering themselves amid the fighting and the idea that they're stripped to their underwear is not uh, in any kind of way to punish them. It sounds like it, it's a way to discern whether they're carrying weapons or anything like that. The reason they're stripped, yes, is to, to make sure they're not carrying any weapons. They don't have any suicide belts. We know that Hamas uh, in Gaza do use uh, suicide vests, explosives attached to them. Um, so when they do arrest them, they, may, they do make them strip and then take them um, to be interrogated. And they give them clothes there, obviously. Okay, thanks. Let's turn to the north. And it appears that the IDF is conducting some drone strikes in Syria. Usually Israel does not confirm that. But what are you hearing in this situation? There was a drone strike yesterday in um, a city that's very close to the Israeli border. It's called uh, uh, City of Bath. Uh, In this strike, four people were reported killed. It was a strike against the vehicle. And uh, today we're hearing that uh, Three of them uh, were Hezbollah members. Uh, one of them uh, was the son of a senior uh, Hezbollah member. Um, we're talking about Hassan Ali Dakouk. He's the son of Ali Musa Dakouk, 
Um, and according to reports, um, the the elder uh, Dakuk is actually um, responsible, or at least charged with the uh, Hezbollah operations in uh, southern Syria. He's been named before by the uh, by the army and by media reports as the one who has been setting up um, the uh, Hezbollah activities in the in the Syrian uh, Golan Heights, very close to the Israeli border. Um, and in the last few weeks, uh, we've seen several other Hezbollah members killed in Israeli strikes in Syria. I think by the latest count um, uh, in both Lebanon uh, and Syria in Israeli strikes against Hezbollah members attempting to carry out attacks, uh, we've seen close to 100 Hezbollah members killed uh, in both in both Syria and Lebanon. Uh, and this continues sort of the, the ongoing skirmishes that continue on the Lebanon border, uh, which include, um, like we've mentioned before on the podcast, um, rockets being fired at Israeli towns and army posts on the border, anti-tank guided missiles, uh, one which killed an Israeli civilian um, uh, just a few days ago. Um, these attacks have continued uh, ever since the ceasefire in Gaza uh, ended and the fighting resumed there, so Hezbollah too resumed its attacks uh, on northern Israel. Many thanks for that. We'll go to a short break. You're listening to this podcast, so I know you care about the war in Israel right now. And you've been reading the headlines. Massacre in Gaza. Genocide perpetrated by Hamas. No, by Israel. But if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know one thing. This stuff seems complicated. And honestly, no one can really just pick a side or decide an opinion without really learning. Without really knowing what you're talking about. And that's where this podcast comes in. Check out Unpacking Israeli History, now in its sixth season. They have episodes with topics ranging from what is Hamas anyway, to whether Israel should ransom captured soldiers, and the history of Israel and its disengagement from Gaza in 2005. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. So... Educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we're back. Mid last week, you joined the 261st Brigade's 8717th Alone Battalion in the town of Salatin, which is on the outskirts of Jabalia in northern Gaza. So what did you see there? Yes, the reserve uh, battalion's name is quite a mouthful, so I'll just refer to it as the reserve battalion. We arrived there uh, as the army was pushing in uh, further into Jabalia. So we were in an area where the fighting had uh, mostly ended. There were a few uh, explosions and gunfire and strikes going on while we were there, but uh, nothing too significant. But more interestingly was what um, uh, we were told, me and uh, a group of other journalists were told, by the commander of the battalion, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Yisrael. Um, uh, and he explained to us that um, when the ceasefire began, uh, exactly two weeks prior, um, Hamas broke the truce very quickly, uh, within a few minutes. Um, the ceasefire began at 7am, and at 7.15am, he said that dozens of Hamas members uh, began to run at the Israeli forces, some of them opening fire, uh, and by 8.30 in the morning, they had killed 20 uh, Hamas operatives during these uh, these attacks. 
Um, and this this happened all while there was supposed to be a ceasefire in effect. And uh, one of the more notable incidents he, he noted was uh, this Palestinian family had tried to return to their home in the area. Uh, and as they were approaching their building, um, shots were fired um, at the soldiers from another building, from an adjacent home. Um, all this sort of while the family is trying to move in, while the, the soldiers were focused on looking at the family, making sure that uh, they weren't um, arriving to, you know, carry out some attack or something. Um, and uh, this just really highlights um, Hamas's use of the civilian population to carry out uh, its attacks in Gaza. Uh, we know that the army pretty much ignored this violation of the ceasefire, uh, along with a few other events that they did report uh, during the truce, um, mainly because Israel was very interested in having these hostages released um, by Hamas. We know that by the end of the week-long truce, they released 110 Isra uh, Israeli and foreigners who were being held hostage. Uh, and that was very important for Israel for the truce to be carried out. So um, these, I mean, a complete violation of the ceasefire was, was basically uh, ignored uh, by the army. Uh, another very uh, interesting thing noted by the commander of the battalion was that in the area that they were searching at least, uh, and this may or may not be true to other areas of Gaza, he said that basically in every single house they found weapons uh, or they found tunnel infrastructure or they found uh, rockets in the yards of the homes. Uh, I saw myself um, rocket launchers that were had cables running to them to the, to the homes uh, from where they are set off. Um, we were shown... Um, pictures showing um, assault rifles that they found under mattresses, in closets, and this was all prepared by Hamas uh, in, adv in advance because the way Hamas works, uh, the way this was described uh, to us by the commander was um, they place these weapons in the civilian homes uh, and then they arrive at the home in civilian clothing so they're not suspected by the army at least, and then they enter the home, open fire at the soldiers from the home, and then get back into their civilian clothes and, and run away. Um, and then they do that, go back and forth, basically, uh, or use the tunnels to, to flee if they can't leave the, the house um, normally. Uh, and this is, again, a, a pattern that they saw in this area near Jabalia and in the Jabalia area where um, many of the homes are um, uh, contain weapons or they were some of them may be booby-trapped, uh, tunnels in, in many, many of the homes... Um, and it really just shows how Hamas has entrenched itself deep within the uh, civilian infrastructure of uh, of the Gaza Strip. When you were there, how would you describe the destruction of the area? Because some of the pictures, it looks like, wow, amazing, beautiful, you know, uh, tile-roofed homes are still standing. And then in some of the pictures, it just looks like rubble. Yeah, most of the buildings are uh, completely destroyed. Um, or very, very heavily damaged. Even the ones that look like they're standing, it kind of looks like they're standing from one side, but when you go around to the other side, there's like nothing left. And I think it will be both very essentially impossible for Hamas to return to these areas to fight against Israel because uh, the way the army's operating is very slow. They're going through every single house, uh, finding all the weapons they left behind, finding the tunnels and destroying them. Uh, so Hamas doesn't have anything to return to, is what uh, the officer said. But uh, I think more so the, the civilians that may eventually return, uh, it will probably take uh, years to rebuild this. Um, I don't think any of these houses are fit for living in anymore. 
there's no um, water or electricity running in these areas. The roads are completely ripped up. There really is uh, not much to return to there, even for the civilians. Uh, but um, it, it will take time if, if and when Israel leaves this area uh, once Hamas is uh, completely destroyed. But that, that will obviously take a very long time. But when that day comes, I think it will still take several more years to rebuild this area for, for people to actually live in. In in the meantime, uh, the residents of the area are now in the south. Yes. Yeah, so the area we were in, there were uh, no civilians uh, that I saw. Um, in some areas in Jabali and Shujaia, there are still civilians who have been uh, sort of trapped there and unable to leave yet. Uh, the army is still calling on on uh, Palestinian civilians to evacuate to shelters so that they can carry out the fighting against Hamas and not harm any of the civilians. They've been using the map that we've spoken about uh, before on the podcast to direct Palestinians where to go. So, uh, but r- right now, really, most of the Palestinian population of Gaza is in is in the south. But at the same time, the army is also operating there too and has called on Palestinians to evacuate from certain areas of southern Gaza, uh, mostly in the Khan Yunus area, uh, which is where the army's um, ground operation in, in the south is uh, currently focused. One final note on your trip, it appeared in your piece, at least, that the officer with whom you spoke seems quite optimistic, even though he's been on the ground for weeks and weeks and weeks and not seen his children, his family, etc. But he sounds very resolute and determined and and optimistic, as I said. Would you agree with that? I think so. I don't think he's the only one, too. I mean, all the soldiers there, uh, part of his battalion, all want to be there. They all want to complete this mission, which is uh, eliminating Hamas. And they said that they'll they'll be there as long as it takes, uh, despite all the challenges. Uh, when we talk about reservists, we're talking about people who have families, uh, who have uh, children at home, uh, unlike members of the standing army, which are much younger. We're talking about people who are, who are older here. Um, in, his, um, in his battalion, he said that uh, around uh, 60 of the troops are volunteers. They are old enough to be exempt from reserve duty. Um, some of them are close to 50. There were even one or two who are older than 50. Um, these people who do not need to serve in the reserves if they don't want to. Um, but they signed a declaration saying that they are volunteering for duty and they want to be there. Um, and I think that really shows that uh, the army will not leave until it, it feels like it's completed its mission. Um, they are, there are hundreds and thousands of, of soldiers who uh, are de- very determined to be there, uh, including this commander um, who really um, really showed that they, they will stick around. They will, they will continue to fight uh, until, the, until their mission is, is completed. Now, in terms of the duration, according to a senior Israeli defense official that was quoted in... Uh, media reports, the Israeli military needs about three or four weeks to complete its current offensive in Khan Yunis and a similar amount of time to wrap up the first stage of the war against Hamas. I mean, we've talked about the multi-stage needs of this war against Hamas, but so that doing the math sounds like another two months or so to finish the first stage of the war. What are you hearing? I think that is a relatively fair assessment if we're talking about the the battles that will need to be carried out against Hamas to deal with its main strongholds, its main uh, bases, um, its senior leaders. Uh, I think that could take uh, two months, maybe less. Uh, the problem is 
after that, people might think that this two months to wrap up this this stage of the war might end with Israel leaving Gaza, but that's not going to be the case. Uh, after these two months, let's say two months end, uh, the operations will continue against uh, what Defense Minister Gallant called several months ago uh, pockets of resistance in Gaza. And that is a process or a sort of a phase in the war that will take a very long time um, where the army will be working slowly to destroy all the Hamas infrastructure and at the same time engaging in sort of limited battles with Hamas operatives who are still hiding in the area. That sort of phase of the war where they slowly, slowly go through every house to find all the weapons and all the tunnels, that could take a year even. We don't know how long that could take. But the what I've seen um, and from the um, the pace that the army is operating currently in, in the Gaza Strip with destroying all the infrastructure left behind, it does look like it will take a very long time to complete that goal of um, removing all the infrastructure belonging to Hamas. Um, but the stage of fighting right now with the heavy battles against Hamas, that could be wrapped up um, fairly soon in the coming weeks or maybe uh, months. Manny, thank you for all of your updates and for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. Please check out another episode tomorrow. This episode was produced by The Podwaves. If you have questions or comments about this or other episodes, please drop us an email at podcast at timesofisrael.com. Until tomorrow, shalom. <laughs>